Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to our podcast of the service entitled, The Blessings to Count. My wish is that the food for thought offered nourishes your soul. The Gaius Temple Ministry is sustained by generous donations such as yours, and we need your financial support. If everyone donated just $3 each time they tune in and receive the service, that reciprocity would ensure our continuance. If you feel served by listening and wish to donate to help support our ministry, please push the donate button now and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thanksgiving to you. Blessed be. So I want to begin our service today with a quote from Valerie Kaur, the founder of Revolutionary Love. As many of you will remember, if you've been with us for a while, we learned the tenets of revolutionary love as spiritual practice from January through September of 2022. We took them one by one, each tenant, around the revolutionary love compass to learn the practice of loving revolutionarily. Those teachings supported a big shift in how I move through the world. I really do feel changed by having delved into that uh, during that year. I feel more oriented toward peace rather than a plaintiff about conflict. It just like <whistles> reoriented me that I'm not in denial about conflict, but I'm not so ready to jump in there and add to it. So Valerie inspired me again when her words landed on my heart from a revolutionary love email, and these are her words. I wanted to read them to you. Valerie says, our most powerful response to the horror in Israel and Palestine is to refuse to surrender our humanity. You will be told by some the deaths of Israeli children are unfortunate but inevitable because Israeli's occupation of Palestine is brutal and wrong. You will be told by others, the deaths of Palestinian children are unfortunate but inevitable because it is the only way to keep Israel safe from terror and Hamas brought this on its own people. Both will say, our aggression is the only response to their aggression our fear more justified than their fear, our grief more devastating than their grief will ever be. But oh my love, the hierarchy of pain is the old way. The moment we allow our hearts to go numb is the moment we shut down our humanity. I don't know the solution to the conflict in Israel and Palestine, but I do know the starting point to grieve their children as we grieve our children. It's the only way to break the cycle. Thank you, Valerie Kaur. So I thought her words were really a perfect introduction to our first song today. This song was written by my dear friend, Patty Zaitlin, who died on St. Patrick's Day of this year. We're in this sanctuary now because of Patty's good and generous heart. When Gaius Temple had to find a new home and the George Center for Community closed, Patty opened the door to this beautiful house of worship and she encouraged me to walk through it. And I am ever grateful that I did.
Patty was an amazing artist and a prolific writer. And some of her songs are among my all-time favorite songs. And I knew I wanted these two songs that you're going to hear today um, a few moons ago. I, I knew it a while back. And then this past week, when I received this message from Valerie in my inbox and this song, I just thought, you know, like a grace fell upon me as I sat there typing because I was pulling it together. And it was wonderful how they came together. Uh, Valerie's mentioning our children and Patty singing to one with her words. Because together, Valerie and Patty uplift a message, a message of love's continuance, even in the face of constant change. And of course, the song also dovetails perfectly with our nature-focused worldview, so it's just perfect in season. The wind blows in to clear the way, and they are the winds of change. So I'll introduce Joyce Allison to sing Patty's song, The Leaves. Little girl, when 
much more than mine And the leaves keep turning and turning Thank you, Joyce. Thank you so much. I say something before about my heart, my throat. <laughs> Why does it take a war for us to realize our blessings? What will it take it? What will it take for us to shift our consciousness more consistently to appreciate the blessings in all things? Why does it only seem to go that we don't know what we have until it's gone? These are the questions that keep me up at night. <laughs> November brings the holiday of Thanksgiving, as we all know. And so gratitude is on our spiritual menu this month, and I hope it remains on your Life's daily menu from here on out, not just in November. You know, I've talked about gratitude a lot in Guy's Temple over the years, but I don't think we can contemplate that beautiful state of grace enough, do you? I don't think so. Gratitude, the quality of being thankful, the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness, the expression of grace. That's what we seek to embody in our immediate sphere of influence at the holidays and always, really. I don't know about you, I would like to be operating in the world from that beautiful place all the time. That's what I strive for all the time. And yet, on a world scale, that is not the image that we see. We don't see that image enacted or modeled. This just strange disconnect between what we want and how we are trying to live and then what goes on anyway? It's, it's a little maddening, isn't it? Although we are blessed, see already there's one blessing to count, to be surrounded by loving people who do express their gratitude, who are thankful and demonstrate their kindness and show appreciation beyond those comfort zones, we don't see it. Now, in recent years, it seems to me that entitlement has been prized and deemed worthy of adoration. It has been elevated into something that appears to be what we should be striving for. Now, I can only surmise that the reason behind this misguided thinking that translates into really, really bad behavior goes like this. Here's the thinking. I am special, and therefore, I should have whatever I want, whenever I want it. I've worked hard, or my family has, and now I have reached a level in society where I deserve to have the good life and finer things and accessibility to resources and pleasures commiserate with my station. The rules, and often the laws, do not apply to me because I am special, and therefore I should have whatever I want whenever I want it. Now, it seems to me that this attitude happens for a couple of reasons. One, because we want what we want when we want it. I mean, we love our pleasure. Who are we kidding, right? We, we want what we want when we want it. And two, and I think this is a big reason, 
which is kind of weird, but anyway, I still think it's a big reason why this entitlement attitude continues, is that we think that if we do have whatever we want whenever we want it, others will perceive us as something special, as part of the elite, someone deserving of more, and then we will rise in their esteem, and so we will be prized somehow. I can only surmise that this is the thinking that supports this kind of behavior, and I have to say I don't find it admirable, and I don't find it worthy of support. It's as if a strange spell has been cast, a spell in which the concepts that we uphold as truly worthy, that of gratitude and humility and generosity, sharing and kindness and altruism, have been placed in a sort of suspension that we, we can't seem to access. And like Sleeping Beauty, they are asleep. So I'm sitting there at my computer typing up this service, right? As soon as the words Sleeping Beauty show themselves to me on the screen, I had to go and read the folk story all over again. And I was reminded that only 12 of 13 god, fairy godmothers were invited to bless the newborn princess at a lovely blessing ceremony. But a curse was put on the royal daughter because the 13th fairy godmother was not invited to the blessing ceremony when the baby was born. Now, it isn't made clear why she is not invited, but she's magic, so she hears about the blessing anyway, and she becomes hurt and then angry when she realizes that she's been left out. And so she crashes the ceremony, and in her bitterness at being forgotten, she curses the child to die when, at the age of 16 or so, she will prick her finger on a spindle. These fairy tales were pretty intense. <laughs> Hell hath no fury, as a fairy woman scorned. Do not forget your fairy godmothers, I'm telling you. Don't do it. You know, I couldn't help but notice that she was the 13th fairy, and how the number 13 became associated with all evil and bad luck, etc., etc. Of course, we know that this was one way patriarchy brought down the ancient ways of the goddess, because there are 13 lunations in one calendar year. The moon goes from new through the entire lunation to dark to new again 13 times in the time it takes us to transit around the sun once. And so uh, this was part of how we worshipped uh, in the olden days, the women would go out there in particular and they would draw down the moon on the full moon 13 times a year as part of their fertility rites, also to sort of charge them up with goddess energy, fill themselves with lunar energy as part of their goddess worship. And so one way that the patriarchy demoted the goddess was to diabolize the number 13 and make it and all things associated with it bad luck. But I digress back to Sleeping Beauty. Anyway, thankfully, there was one more fairy godmother who hadn't yet offered her blessing on the princess when the curse was initiated. And although she could not reverse it, she, could, uh, she used her blessing to soften the consequence of it uh, to that of a long, deep sleep instead of death when the princess pricks her finger on the spindle. And she makes it so that only true love's kiss will break the spell and awaken her. Very romantic. So the king, of course, orders that all the spinning wheels and spindles to be destroyed in the land as a way to prevent uh, the curse from manifesting. But of course, the 13th 
fairy manages to keep her spinning wheel and spindle anyway, hidden away, and soon enough, when the princess comes of age, she comes upon the 13th one spinning, and she's never seen anything like this, of course, because there's been no spinning wheels and spindles, and she is fascinated by it and says, can I try it? We all know what happens. She pricks her finger and falls into a deep sleep from which she cannot be awakened. And her parents play her, place her on a royal pallet, and they grieve their daughter. And then the fairy godmother who softened the curse appears. And knowing that the princess would be very frightened if uh, she, whenever it is that she, true love's kiss really finds her, and she awakens, and she would find herself all alone, she would be terribly frightened. So she decides to augment her blessing so that... Um, Everyone in the land, all the people, all the animals, will go to sleep with her when she goes to sleep. And then with one more swipe of her wand, she has the brambles and uh, grow up over the castle to protect the, prince, the princess. So now everyone has gone to sleep. The brambles have grown over the castle. After about a century, a handsome prince finds the castle hidden away while he was hunting. Now, okay, listen, a hundred years is a long time for a curse to remain intact, you know. That's a long time for a spell to maintain its energy. So it had started to weaken, and so the castle can now be found. And the prince uses his sword to cut through the briars, and he finally enters the castle where he finds the sleeping beauty. And of course, he falls in love, and he leans down to kiss her, and we all know the rest. She awakens, and so does everyone else. The princess falls madly in love with the prince, and they get married and live happily ever after. Now, this old fairy tale is something that begs us to cook up some food for thought. Such an interesting premise, the curse. Now, the curse occurs because not everyone is considered, not everyone is remembered, and not everyone is invited. So at the onset of this tale, it relays to us the wisdom that no good can come from exclusivity. Don't do it. Another nourishing dish that this story serves up is that even the worst of curses can be softened. Even the worst of curses can be softened. And sometimes softening is the best that we can do, and so do it we must. We ask ourselves, how can we soften? How can we soften this? Softening is a good way to mitigate harm moving forward. Staying fixed can cause more harm. It's like when there's a car coming at you and there's going to be an accident, if you brace for impact, you're going to hurt yourself more. But if you soften, you can mitigate the suffering. Loosening, suffering, I mean softening at all, if at all possible, is a way to lessen suffering. So we might think of the princess as possessing all of those beautiful qualities that I mentioned. Gratitude and humility and generosity, sharing, kindness and altruism. And we might see these qualities as royal, not the person the princess is necessarily herself, but the qualities that she represents. They are royal enough as something to treasure and to be grateful for, to protect and to strive for.
right? We can think of royal as something that's, you know, elevated that way in a beautiful way, not someone or some family that gets to have more than the rest of us, but the royalty of these beautiful qualities. So entitlement, to pick up the thread, prevents gratitude. It tosses aside grace. It's not a worthy practice nor a worthy behavior. It is very young, really, entitlement. It's very immature. Don't embrace it. In fact, check yourself on your own entitlement, because we all have it, to ensure that we are not behaving unconsciously entitled, because we all do. And we need to raise our elevation to uh, our, our awareness of that, to realize, oh, I'm coming from that place of entitlement, and it, it's not good. I need to humble myself a little bit more, be grateful for what I do have, not claim that I deserve more, necessarily. Now, I know that our sensuous nature, natures want to be satisfied, but our needs and wants must be measured against the needs and wants of the greater good, because if we strive to get our own needs met at the expense of others' needs, well, no good can come of it. When I thought about this tale looking through the lens of gratitude, it made me wonder, now just hear me out, what if we strove to be part of true love's kiss? What if the kiss is the metaphor for however we interact with others, in every way we interact with others? That's not just the touching of our lips or even being physical at all. What if we think of true love's kiss as the quality and tone of the energy that we generate as uh, on our, uh, moving our way through the world? The energy that we just generate moving through the world. It's true love's kiss. It's going to wake everything up. True love's kiss. We can call it TLK. <laughs> so we're always coming from love and compassion. We're always seeking relatedness. How can I relate to that person even though they appear to be so different to me? This way we don't lose our humanity. We don't cast it aside. We are true love's kiss. TLK. Sleeping Beauty, or Briar Rose, as she was once called, has roots that go back way into antiquity. It's a very, very old story. But I sure would love it if it didn't take another century for us to wake up from this spell, upholding entitled behavior. To wake up from the spell that has us believing that killing one another is going to bring peace. For us to wake up and understand that the winds of change are blowing and to let ourselves be changed by those winds. Why keep repeating the same tactics again and again when they have shown us again and again that they do not resolve the issues, but instead just keep throwing more vitriol, vitriol on an already blazing fire? Blame is futile because it keeps us focused on the past. We must come into present time and realize that we cannot change the past, as horrible as it was, as unjust as it was, we cannot change that. It already happened. All of us keeping all the wars, any war, 
The big wars, the little wars, the wars inside ourselves, all of us keeping those wars going by actively participating in waging war, we are now the ones responsible for it. We can't look to the past to say, it's your fault. She started it. He started it. That's what we hear in first grade. This moment now is the one in which we have the power to influence how things will go, to heal the strong and long-standing ancestral wounding in the Middle East and everywhere. We cannot change what's already happened, but we can change what happens now and what happens moving forward. This moment is what's available to us now, to blow the winds of change through this moment with the energy of TLK and repeat is necessary. It's not going to be a one and done. When we remember that there are more and more of us on planet Earth, it is very crowded here. We must learn to coexist. We must learn to share space and land and resources. We must use whatever reconciliation protocols we have at our disposal to try to resolve our differences. We must return to living in gratitude at the center of all of our thoughts and words and deeds. And this will turn us from waging war to waging peace. It's the only way that I can think of. If you come up with another way that's going to bring us to peace, please let me know. Gratitude has seemingly gone by the wayside. And I think that also happens for a few reasons. One is because we forget how blessed we are. We forget to count our blessings. We lose sight of how good we have it. Our blessings have become normalized, and we think that they're just coming to us because that's how it's always been for so long, for some of us for our whole lives. My ancestors left the pogroms of Europe, and two generations later, here I stand with my nails done. We don't know any different. I don't know any different. We are like the fish asking what water. Another reason why I think gratitude has gone by the wayside or counting our blessings has is because it's difficult to stay grateful when you're in hardship and there is more and more hardship. Now there's no shame in the reality here. Hardship's real. No shame. Hardship is real. Support is needed during hardship, witnessing and understanding and kindness. That's why I'm so glad that we are all here tending to this loving community so we can support each other through the hardships. No matter what kind of hardship we are experiencing, it's valid. Difficulty with hardship can be why counting our blessings goes by the wayside. Another reason is that many of us might think that or remember that counting our blessings can make us feel guilty. Wow, religious guilt is a powerful tool and it's been for a very long time and it's deeply ingrained in us from many generations past. But here's the thing, there's no need to compare our suffering. That's what I think Valerie was referring to as the hierarchy of pain. It's not a competition. You don't have to finish what's on your plate because a child somewhere is hungry. It, it does, that doesn't, that, that's not it. You don't have to win at worse pain to be worthy or to justify your pain. Breaking the habit of comparison and competition liberates the creative mind. 
It allows us to come up with new ways and means that benefit us all. It blows the winds of change. The winds of autumn and winter are for clearing away. Let us use this aspect of nature in this powerful way right here and now while those winds are blowing. You know, I've also noticed a, a sort of reticence to sincerity, like it's embarrassing somehow to be sincere in your interactions, and better to appear flippant or skeptical or cynical, as if getting one over on the other is the goal. It's not a goal I would happily make, or one that I couldn't easily make. Harmless practical jokes aside, getting something over on someone as an advantage belongs in a competition. So let's keep that strategy in our sports and our games, where everyone knows a game is being played. But in our personal interactions, practice sincerity. It's becoming a lost art. Practice feeling trust. Be the one who brings trust so that trust can grow. Counting our blessings is more than just a beautiful spiritual practice. It's a good devotional practice, there's no doubt about it. But it's also a wonderful coping mechanism. It's a good tool to turn to when stress or worry seem particularly intense. It helps ground and center us. It promotes a calm demeanor. It helps us breathe. And with oxygen in the brain, we can think more clearly. It's the magic of hate, of faith, really, holding us in a palpable way when we count our blessings. When we bring to mind the blessings that we have, it shifts our state of mind. We enter a different state of awareness that includes grace. And it feels so good, so it must be right. And even if grace doesn't fill our awareness completely, we still feel better having done it. And in this way, it eases suffering. Counting our blessings eases suffering. Now, there are so many reasons to count our blessings, and all of them are worthy. All of them serve to uplift, to help, to bring healing and calm. That is why counting our blessings, why the expression of gratitude is so very important. It's the energy of TLK, to serve, to uplift, to help, to bring healing, to ease suffering. Right there, where we find it, right in front of us, in the moment, whenever we encounter it. So let's take a moment and count our blessings, shall we? I'll ask you to close your eyes and go within. And uh, reestablish your connection to your grounding cord that you set down at the beginning of the service. And if you came in after we did that, go ahead and ground yourself now. And now think for a moment about how well you are right here and right now. In this moment, you're here and you are well enough to be here. We are safe in this space. We're here together, we are alive and we are free. And so let's lift our hearts in gratitude for these blessings. Imagine that you can pull a little metaphoric string and your heart actually lifts within your rib cage. And it feels better when it lifts. So go ahead and do that now. It rises in the awareness of these blessings that you are well 
and you are here. Lift your heart in thanks. And now bring to mind the love in your life. Think about who you love and who loves you. And if you can't think of anyone who loves you, think of me because I love you. I've got enough love to love you. And think about how love in any and all of its forms makes life worth living. And lift your heart once again in gratitude. And now think about some of the practical things in your life, like your home, the roof over your head, even if it's not your roof, your clothing, how you don't go hungry, all the blessings of your creature comforts that sustain you in a good way. Count those blessings and lift your heart for them now. And now let's take a moment and count any other blessings that we have in our lives that we haven't mentioned, that I haven't mentioned yet. Just take a moment of silence now and count any other blessings that you find yourself grateful for and lift your heart in gratitude for those as well. And then finally, I'll ask your indulgence to take one more moment to reflect on Gaia's temple, this ministry for the earth, this spiritual entity where you are welcome, where you belong, where you're honored and respected, this beautiful caravan of nonconformists, of troubadours and storytellers and mystics and artists and magic makers. Gaia's temple, a place to contemplate your place in the big scheme of things and turn again and again toward how you wish to be your best self in our weary yet beautiful world. And lift your heart in gratitude for our religious freedom and how we have sustained ourselves now for 23 years in this temple. And then we'll take another really deep breath and gently bring yourself back here. Open your eyes when you feel ready. It does feel good to count the blessings, doesn't it? It just does. Such a beautiful practice, and it's a good devotional practice. Like, if you don't have a spiritual practice at this point, or you just, you know, know what you think and know what you believe, but you don't actually have a practice, a very simple practice, might be to just like light a candle, stand in front of it, count your blessings, ground yourself to the earth, lift your heart in gratitude, blow out the candle. That's a devotional practice. It's beautiful, simple, and, and just really good. Really good. Do it. It's a good thing to seek out and become aware of the blessings to count, because there are so many, to remind ourselves of how blessed we are in so many ways, and it eases our suffering, and then we become the agents who ease suffering. 
much better than causing suffering, don't you agree? So the wheel keeps turning, and the end of the calendar year seems to be galloping toward us. My goodness. There is something about winter that is so nostalgic. The longer nights, the turning inward, the traditions we follow at the holidays, the notion that the year is coming to an end, all of these are conducive to nostalgic reflection, that sentimental longing and wistful affection for the past. We look back on the year so far and we consider all that has occurred. As we come to the end of the calendar year, we indulge our memories, and rightfully so. It's the right time to do it. So this next song of Patty's is among my top five favorite songs of all time. It speaks beautifully to this time of year, I think, and it directs us to carry love forward from the past into our future. And that is what we should be carrying forward from the past, not hatred and conflict and blame, but love and a desire and actions of peace. The energy that awakens us to the highest good, just like true love's kiss. So, Allison, if you would. Why? 
waterfalls and streams of dreams. Sometimes in my dreams I seem to go back to woods and streams of long ago. Thank you so much, Joyce. Well, my friends, may you find many blessings to count, and may you count them ongoingly. May your blessings include a bounty of all that you hold dear, with robust health and good times with those that you love. May this Thanksgiving be your most grateful. May you have enough to share, and may you share it gladly. I count you all among my blessings. Happy Thanksgiving and blessed be.